You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. What if Jesus walked into this room? Jesus is in this room by his spirit. And he would say today, when you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. He would say, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens your heart, I'll come in. I want you to take a moment and ask Jesus to speak to you today. Would you pray? Father in heaven, your voice is like no other. There's such forgiving forgiveness in your voice, such kindness in your voice, such strength in your voice. Father, today, let us not grieve your spirit. Let us open ourselves up. Your word says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, No mind can begin, can conceive all that the Lord has in store for those who love him. And you've revealed it through your spirit. May you reveal it today, Lord. Surround us, Lord, today. Arise and let our enemies be scattered. Have your way. We wanna do it the king's way. In Jesus' name, amen. War is horrible isn't it? There's death and destruction, such carnage, refugees, widows, orphans, emotional scarring trauma that'll last a lifetime. Apostle Paul says there's another war that we're all a part of. It's a spiritual war. Apostle Paul writes in the book of Corinthians and he says this, for though we live in the world, we do not what? We do not wage war as the world does. I've been a casualty of war. And all the years of my ministry, I've seen so much casualty, so much hurt, so much pain. And a lot of times, we don't really like to face it. We just soon turn the TV off. We like to ignore it sometimes. In Isaiah's day, they came to him, the prophet, like coming to a preacher, and this is what they said. They said to him, they said, tell us not what's right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Tell us sweet little lies. I don't know if you've seen on the back of a Jeep this saying that says, life is good. I'm like, huh? God is good. Life sometimes is hard. Had a woman that was about older woman, Christian woman, came up to me one time and said, Lyndon, she said, I I don't know how heaven could be any better than this. I'm like, where you been living? Are you serious? I want you to know, for almost 40 years, I've had the privilege of being the assistant 
to the greatest physician that will ever live. And his name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And I want you to know something, this physician will never lie to you. If he can lie, go home. And this physician will tell you and me, found in the Gospel of John, that in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome. The man in the Old Testament named Abraham, the man of faith, dealing with a situation that seemed hopeless, we read in the book of Romans this, it says, without weakening in his faith, what did he do? He faced the facts. Christians, we have to face the facts. If you're ever gonna be better, if you're ever gonna walk through the things, you gotta face reality as difficult as it is, we must face the facts. Who suffers the most in war? Children. Do you know who suffers the most in spiritual warfare? Children. A young man in the Old Testament named Joseph, when he was a teenager, lost his mother. And his stepbrothers, 10 of them were very abusive. They hated him. They couldn't speak a kind word to him. They sold him into slavery. We read this about him. It says this, with bitterness... Archers attacked him. They shot at him with what? Hostility. Who shot at him? The scripture says, put up the shield of faith so you can quench the fiery darts of the who? The evil one. You know who shot at him? Sometimes in our life, yes, those that were to love us, those that were even close to us, shot at us intentionally or unintentionally. They sought, Satan sought to shoot us to make a child bitter, to make a child feel like, how can this happen? How can God be good? Or how can God be all powerful? Little precious girl in our congregation who gave me permission to use this, her, one of her close friends at school took her life. And she said, I found myself drifting away from the Lord, struggling to understand why God would allow that to happen. Joseph, when he finally confronted his brothers later on about what they did, we read these words of what he said to them. He said, you intended to what? Harm me. He did not minimize their sin. The scripture never minimizes the heart, the harm that's done to us. The apostle Paul writes, talking about our days before we were Christians, and he says this, in Titus, he says, at one time, we were all foolish, deceived, enslaved to all kind of passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy. Now listen to what he says. We were hated and we hated. Those are two different things. We've all been harmed and we've done harm. We've all been abused and we abused some to greater degrees than others, but we've all done it. And if you don't deal with the hurt that's been inflicted on you, if you don't get in touch with the wounds in your life, you will not realize even sometimes the hurt you're doing to other people and people close to you. I had a friend of mine who had much harm done to him and he couldn't cry. 
And I remember being at the ER with him and his kids and wife were in a bad car accident. And he said, it's terrible, Lyndon. I couldn't even cry with my own family. I couldn't really even comfort them. I'm so bound up. I'm so stuck. Scripture says that we must trust in him at all times. Oh, people, what does he tell us to do? Pour out our hearts to him. How can you give your heart to somebody you don't trust, you struggle to trust? C.S. Lewis said this, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered time after time And guess who does it? That's my prayer today. Is that God would transform your thinking about him in this word. I want you to know that the great physician, Jesus, has not, will not ignore your cry. We read that in Psalm 9, verse 12. For he who avenges blood remembers He does not ignore what the cries of the afflicted. We read in the Old Testament stories and stories of people who cried out. We read about Ishmael and Hagar when they were removed from their home with just a little bit on. They didn't know how they were gonna make it and they're out in the desert and the teenage boy Ishmael is crying and we read this, what it says, and God heard the boy crying. God hears kids. The Bible says of a woman named Leah. It says she wasn't loved by her dad and she wasn't loved by her husband. And it says, and when God saw that Leah was unloved, God knows when you feel unloved or not not only feel it, but you are unloved. He heard her cry. And then God spoke through a man named Hosea who was a prophet and God had told him to marry a woman and that woman became unfaithful and she repeatedly was unfaithful to him and God used this man and his hurt and his pain to preach about the Israelites whose love was like the morning dew and he cries out, Hosea does, for God and for himself and he says, how can I give you up? This is the cry that I often hear comes into my office of those in marriage difficulties. One spouse saying, how can I give up on my marriage? How can I give up on my unfaithful spouse even though it's killing me? It's the cry that I've cried, that my wife's cried, that still comes. It's the cry for a child that's away from God. How can we give up? How can we put these boundaries on my child? We might lose them or they might do terrible things. How can I give them up? He hears cries, the cry of someone who's lost their child in a terrible car accident. He hears the cry of my precious friend, Tebby, who lost many relatives to murder in this city. He hears your cry, those that are in the foster care that are standing up for those little children who need somebody to advocate. He hears every cry that sincerely is called out to him. Why do people... Why do sometimes we quit crying? Years ago, I watched a show called The Patriot, and it was set in the context of the Revolutionary War. And there was a little girl, Mel Gibson was one of the actors, a little girl who had lost her mom in that war. And for a season, she never cried, 
and she was mute. She never talked. Joseph's brothers give us a little insight when they're looking back and they're looking back at that terrible time of what they did to him when they sold him into slavery. And they're just overwhelmed with guilt. And this is what they say to each other as they discuss it. They say, we saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why this distress has come upon us Joseph would have been going, oh, brothers, please, please, please don't sell me. Please, brothers, don't take me away from dad. Please, I'm praying with you. Please, have you ever pleaded? Have you ever put out your heart for someone to stop something, to stop the torment, to stop the abuse, to stop it, and it didn't happen and it got worse? Joseph could have said, I will never be vulnerable again. I will never open up my heart again. I will never be weak again. No, never, never. ministered to a woman who had been abused and her parents went through a divorce and she said they were divorced and my dad said, okay, coming to pick you up to me and my sister. Oh, we got our little bag and our little sleeping bag and we'd be ready for dad right there on the porch and didn't show up. So I'm so sorry. I'll be there next weekend. Next weekend they're ready. Doesn't show up again. She said, you know what I grew to hate? I didn't just grow to hate, struggle with hate my dad. I hated my desire. Because you see, if I didn't need a dad, and if I didn't long for my father, I wouldn't be hurt. So I killed it. The very good thing that God created for a child to want their parent, the mother, the father, you're wanting to kill it and cut it off. You can't kill it. When you try to suppress it, it comes out in ways that are improper. You see, the scripture says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the what? The heart sick. Anybody here like to be sick? We don't even like to be heart sick. She didn't want to be heart sick. And so you bury it. But I want you to know that this great physician also came to do this. He came to bind up and to heal every broken heart that will come to him. Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth and he quoted out of the book of Isaiah and said, this is fulfilled today. In Isaiah, in chapter 61, verse one, it says that the sovereign Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted. And that word broke, piece of broken is taking a piece of pottery and dropping it and it's shattered into pieces. He said, I came to heal everybody's shattered heart and everybody's got a broken heart. I had a friend one time, he was driving Late at night, he got off work. He's driving a motorcycle and he ran up the backside of a cow. I said he was always driving a Kawasaki. <laughs> and that, he said, you know, when they went to the hospital, the worst part of everything was, he said, before they could put the cast on, they had to scrape out all the gravel. You know why? No what? No infection. When the great physician comes to deal with you, if you'll let him, he's got to scrape out stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in there. Sometimes we don't want to face and we don't look. And one of them is anger. 
And sometimes that's anger even at God. And as a kid growing up, I never thought you could be angry at God. He's big. How are you gonna take him on? Until I began to read the Bible and I began to understand the hearts of people in the Bible. That those that were passionate about God, that loved God, that God really had a relationship with, they told him everything. They, they, they punched at him. Jeremiah was just a young prophet when God told him that he would protect him. And he's like, well, this, is, this doesn't seem like you're protecting me. And he says to this, we read, why is my pain unending? Why is my wound grievous and incurable? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook, a spring that fails? Can you imagine saying that to God? <laughs> you're a deceptive brook. If you read in Jeremiah chapter 20, he says, Lord, you deceive me. You trick me. The next minute he's saying in 20, Lord, you're my warrior. You're my mighty God. I praise you. The next minute he says, curse the day I was born. I wish my mom's womb was my tomb. Why was I ever born, God, to come out to see trouble and difficulty? I wish I'd never been born. His emotions are up and down and all over the place. You know what? He's not nuts. He's normal. I read a book by a young lady who wrote a book called The Girl That Nobody Loved and then she wrote another book and it was entitled No Place to Cry. And she said, both my parents didn't want me. They put me in an orphanage. I was abused in the orphanage and it's in the orphanage that I met Jesus. Teenagers came in and preached the gospel. And she said, my relationship with Jesus was like this. With one hand, he was holding me saying, don't be afraid, little girl. And with the other one, I was beating him and beating him and beating him. Jesus can take it. You know what the purpose of a lightning rod is? Sends it to where? To ground so it doesn't destroy the house. Jesus is the lightning rod. Jesus can handle it. Bring it to Jesus. Do you know who this gal is? Kelly Clarkson, she wrote a song called Peace by Peace about her dad who abandoned her and how her husband, her then husband, was helping put it back together. And unfortunately, Kelly Clarkson had to come to realize there is no man, there is no woman that can put you back together again. Their salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus. There's nobody else. Nobody will heal you. When my son was four years old. He was playing with the little boy in his, in his toy room and a big toy box came down on his, leg, on his foot, split it wide open. My wife was pregnant with our, 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 our youngest child and like a good husband, I had to go to the ER and take him there. And when they brought him in, they put him on this little cot and they strapped him down with Velcro straps. And then they took a big needle and had to stick it right into the wound. And his crocodile tears were running down. And I know he's sitting there thinking, Daddy, what are you doing? You're letting them torture me. You're letting them torment me. I mean, how do I relate to my four-year-old son? It's for your good. 
And you know, so many times there are things that have happened in our life. Children are the world's best tape recorders and the world's worst interpreters. <laughs> but I'm telling you something. Paul said in Corinthians, stop thinking like children. There's many of us in this room that are still stuck thinking like a child. And God wants to come in and not change your history, but he needs to reinterpret it for you because Satan is a liar and he's lied to you. I want you to know that this great, this, this great physician, he took his own medicine. Jesus came down here and became a man and walked among us and he was called a man of sorrow and familiar with grief. Jesus We read about him, it says here, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with what? Loud cries and tears. Oh, you think, men don't cry? Men are, you're a sissy if you don't? (laughs) Jesus was the only sane man that ever lived. We're all otherwise insane. He's the healthy one. And what did he do? He cried. He cried often. He cried loud. He cried over broken hearts and he cried over hard hearts. And when Jesus was on the cross and he knows what it's like to be punched in the face, he knows what it's like to be slapped. He knows what it's like to be beat where you feel like you're just gonna, it's just gonna take your very breath away. He knows what it's like to be stripped against his will. He knows what it's like to be spit on. And when he was on the cross, he wasn't high up. The cross never was high. You could walk right in front of him and see him and look at him and mock him and ridicule him. And when he was on the cross, they offered him the narcotic. They offered him the painkiller and he refused it. How about us? What do we use to deaden our pain? It doesn't have to be alcohol, though it could be. It doesn't have to be drugs, though it can be. It can be some people, they work out. Some people sleep. Some people just go to work and work or work out in their garage. Some people eat. Some people shop. We have all kind of ways of deadening the reality of what's going on inside of us. Jesus never did that. He felt the full weight of the pain for me and for you. And I want you to understand when he was on the cross, what they did to him was shameful. But I want you to know something and you can, with Jesus's help through time, you can come to this. He never was shamed. He never, never, never was shamed because he knew who he was. He held his head high. He looked at them in that shame. And he cried out not to just fulfill prophecy. He cried out and he said, oh, my God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you deserted me? Why have you forsaken me? You know why he was crying that cry? Because Hosea had cried out and the Lord had cried out about his people. And he said, how can I give you up? And God said, I won't give you up. I will give my son up instead. That's how much he loves us. 
Hallelujah. He did not give up on you. He hasn't given up on me and you. He loved us that much. He felt the full weight of that separation. He felt the full weight. He went to hell that you don't have to go to hell. He felt that hell. That's good news. We'll never know. That song says how much it costs to what? To see my sin upon the cross. And I want you to know today that if you come to that great physician, Jesus, he will cleanse you. He will put his salve on you. And he will move in with his spirit. And you know when he moves in with his spirit, what he will do. Listen to what Paul says his spirit comes in to do. In the book of Romans, we read this. It says that the spirit of God has come into us. He's poured out his spirit into us so that we are no longer. I want you to read that one. He did not receive a spirit that makes you a what? A slave again to what? Fear. Brothers and sisters, I remember I was a slave to fear. Even as a Christian, I was controlled by my fears because I had not worked through things. God doesn't want you to be controlled by fear. He wants you to be controlled by love. That's what he wants you to be controlled by. And it said, notice though, you have received a spirit of sonship or daughtership. So it says, by him, what do we do? We cry. Notice the Spirit of God will help you to do what? Cry when you can't cry. And cry. If a baby doesn't cry, there's something wrong. Jesus says, when you're born again, you begin to cry. He will come to me. The scripture says, an offended brother is harder to win back than a fortified city. You know what they protected cities with? Walls. How many of us have walls up because you were offended? My wife and I were sitting in an office room talking with a guy about some family things. Guy asked an innocent question to both of us and we didn't realize we had a wall. We had a wall of anger that I didn't even know. You know what Satan's answer to emotional pain is? Self-protected pride. And C.S. Lewis says, he that says he has no pride has the most pride. The nature of pride is you don't see it. Or you got a wall up. I didn't know as a kid growing up because never processed conflict in our home and thing, I didn't know that I could hold grudges. I could. The best of them even as a Christian, even as a preacher. I didn't want to. Didn't even know they were there. When you let Jesus begin to work, because he wants more for you than you realize. Jesus will send an army after you. Do you know he sent an army after a woman? He sent an army after a, a woman in the Old Testament, and she was a prostitute. Her name was Rahab. And she was, caught, she was shut up in a wall. She would have been a woman that was used. They would have looked down on her and despised her. I had a best, one of my closest friends died at 49 of cancer. She was used, her body was in bars for years because of the damage that had been done to her. Jesus didn't look at her and he, he wasn't disgusted with her. He delighted in her. 
He rescued her. And before she died, she forgave a man, a wolf in the church who had violated her. She gave up that bitterness. She became beautiful. And when she told me, she, when she was dying, I remember I was driving the van talking to her. She said, Lyndon, I can't wait to see Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. That's what you want to see is people healed that want to that see Jesus. There's a blood that cries out. In the Old Testament, there was a blood that cried out. It was the blood of Abel. 